Tonight is anniversary night. The format of tonight's meeting will be a main speaker who will speak for 25 minutes, followed by our information break and the anniversary celebrants. Our main speaker tonight is Rodney. Hi, I'm Rodney. I'm an alcoholic. Is this right? We, it's got to be positioned just right. Um, all right, I'm starting my own timer. I trust you, Greg, but I, I want to stay on track. Um, welcome to all of the newcomers, day counters. Um, you know, I remember my first Atlantic Group anniversary meeting, and I, um, I just remember, like, the joy that I heard when the celebrants came up. Um, and it really inspired me, so I hope you know you hear something tonight that will inspire you, not necessarily from me, but from the celebrants. Um, I also want to welcome the family members and friends of people who are here in support of their alcoholic, the alcoholic in their life. Um, and um, special, also on the Zoom, and in fact, um, you know, my, my own family is on the Zoom meeting from Houston for, uh, for the first time. They've never been to an anniversary night, and it's really special uh, to have them on, and I thank you, Matt, for letting me speak. Um, wow. So, um, you know, there's nothing in my past that would, if you looked at it, as when I was a child, you would look at it and think, wow, future alcoholic. He's got a seat saved here. I mean, I had two great parents, probably the best parents I could have had. I had two younger brothers. We were close in age. We were such a close family. Um, so I, I really had nothing to complain about. I had everything I needed. Um, the church we went to, it, it was an apocalyptic end of, end of the world cult, but even that wasn't that bad, <laughs> honestly. Um, yes, there was the constant idea that any day now the world was going to end and we'd have to flee to a place of safety, but it, it, was, it was really in the background, um, and I'm not trying to be funny, but I mean, that's really the reality. It was like that, um, but, and so, you know, I, I had every reason in the world to be a happy kid, and I, for the most part, I was. Now, something happened, um, I, I guess it was puberty, maybe, um, as it does. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, I, I, that feeling of um, what it, irritability and discontent hit me, as it's described in our, the doctor's opinion. Um, and I had like this low-frequency buzz in my head all the time that was telling me that I was a bad person, that I was, um, that I was wrong, that I was bad. Um, yes, I mean, I was, I was coming to grips with being gay at that time, but it, w it, was, it went well beyond that. Um, and I, I really didn't know. I mean, I thought that was normal, actually, because I guess it is normal for an alcoholic of my type. Um, and so then what happened at the age of 14, I had my first real spiritual awakening. Um, two doors down from me lived this girl named Jody, no last names. Um, and her parents went out of, went out, were, left the house on a Saturday night to go to a party. And um, so she invited some of us over, and that was the first night I really drank. Um, and that was, you know, I took that first drink, and I, oh, 
Thank you, speaking of the mic. Um, I took that first drink and it was like, I could be a voiceover actor, I guess, right? Um, no, it was, but it was like that sense of freedom, that ease and comfort I felt from the very first moment. And um, I don't remember what I drank, but I remember exactly who was there. There were four of us, two guys, two girls. It wasn't that kind of situation, obviously, but, um, you know, it was like my first real the first time I felt peace in my head, um, and it was magical, and I got drunk that night, I got sick that night, I passed out that night, and I was ready to do it again the very next day. Um, of course, you know, the availability of alcohol at that time as a 14-year-old wasn't there, and so, you know, I, I, I kept going with my life, right? Now, when I was 15, not that much later, um, First day of sophomore year, came home, um, we'd been out shopping for school clothes, came home and there were all of these cars in front of our house and um, as we drove up, I was with my mom and my youngest brother, um, as we drove out, the min there was the, they were the ministers from our church, they got out, they had all had these somber looks on their faces um, and so we knew something was bad. Um, and what basically had happened was my, my father had dropped dead at work, just like that. He'd had like a heart attack, age of 38, gone in a minute. Sorry, second, in a second. Um, and what I could tell you is that that, uh, you know, it devastated our family. Um, I, you know, I always felt like I, I had the worst of it because that's how I am. I'm self-centered in the extreme. But... Um, I felt devastated by that, and at, you know, at that point I had no idea how to handle something like that. I had no tools. Um, so I bottled it, I, I kept it all in, and then I remembered, I have a solution. My solution's alcohol. And so um, I started drinking every day before school, um, and by then, um, you know, I was 16 not long after that. I'd gotten my license. I was driving every day to school and drinking every day on my way to school with people in the car because, you know, that's what we do. And, um, and you know, that, was, that's, that went on for a bit. Not long, though, actually, because I, I really came to, got brought to my knees pretty quickly. And what ended up happening is I tried to kill myself. Because alcohol, for me, for this alcoholic, leads to jails, institutions, and death. So, death. You know, check, check one off. Um, obviously, I didn't succeed, um, but I had just enough honesty, and maybe it was, you know, I, I tried to take an overdose. Maybe it was like the drugs talking, but I kind of confessed everything to my mom. Everything except being gay. For some reason, you know, I guess I still had the wherewithal not to let that out, because it was the 80s in Texas. Um, <laughs> But um, <laughs> it's really not that funny. Um, but, um, you know, because whatever. So, um, uh, and so I, I ended up going to my first AA meeting, right? Because, um, you know, 16-year-old drinking every day, probably an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic. Um, went to my first AA meeting, and it was not as, a meeting as big as this. Um, but it was full of people just like you guys, um, you know, 
and I thought it was a room full of old people, old people that I wanted nothing to do with, and they're probably younger than I am now, and, but that's, that's the mind of a 16-year-old. And so I did that for just a little bit, and then we kind of moved on. I did a little therapy, you know, I, I kind of, I guess I did get better in a sense. I guess having that one big blow up sort of brought some sort of relief. And so I went about life, right? Finished high school, went to college. I was working full-time. I was actually a really productive alcoholic. Um, I would drink. Um, I wasn't drinking daily at that point, again, but I was really hitting it hard. But that's what college students do, right? Um, and I did graduate, got into a relationship. Um, and then once I had graduated, I had no real... Um, you know, nothing tying me down from, like, drinking every day. And so then I was able to really drink the way I like to drink, which is every day. And um, I did that for, like, a, a year. Destroyed that relationship. Oh, well. Um, not, not, the fir- not the last relationship I've destroyed. Um, and um, ended up moving back home. And, again, drinking every day, working, drinking every day, um, driving drunk a lot, because in in Texas we drive a lot. Um, I haven't lived there in 25 years, but I drove a lot, and I drove drunk a lot. And it's, you know, to think about it now is really awful. Um, But it was nothing to me then. I mean, I used to, like, get tanked on my way down to the club every every Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday, and um, it finally caught up with me, and I got a DWI which was actually a really good thing for me. Now I had a consequence. Finally, I had had a consequence. And, um, and I did end up getting sober. And I went to AA. I was 24, I think. Yeah, 24. Um, 1992. So now, let me just let me do the math for you. So 30 years, I've been a member of AA. Um, off and on, some years, much more off than on. Um, and just now I've got 10 years. Um, and so I hope you get, if, if you get anything, you get that. It's, you can do this thing at any time. You don't have to do it perfectly. Um, relapse does not have to be a, a part of your story, and I hope it's not. But if it is, it's okay. You can always come back, and we're always here. Always welcoming. Um, so, um, so got sober. Um, stage. I did enough. I'll put it this way. I did enough to get and stay sober for a while. Thank you. Perfect. I'm right on time. Um, to get and stay sober. And in fact, my life got really good. Um, I went back to school, got another degree, got a great job, um, was able to like realize my dream of moving to New York, moved to New York. Um, and then, you know, Unfortunately, um, life got a little too good, and all of a sudden, AA became an afterthought. Um, And I quit going to meetings. Um, I quit working with a sponsor. Um, And at about seven years, somebody, a friend of mine, asked me this, this magical question. She said, did you ever smoke pot? And, you know, I'm an alcoholic, right? Um, and I did that, that funny alcoholic calculus where, yes, I'm an alcoholic, but I never had a problem with pot. I smoked it occasionally, but didn't do it that much. So 
yeah, why not? And I know this is an AA meeting, and believe me, AA, alcohol is my problem, but it was marijuana that took me right back out there. Um, and so I started smoking pot with this friend, um, and somehow, I think I, well, I think I knew I wasn't really sober, but at least I wasn't drinking. Um, and so, um, and that, but that didn't last long, right? Because that's not the way I am as an alcoholic. Um, and so it was 1999. Um, I went home for Thanksgiving um, to see my family in Texas. And my, my sister-in-law just reminded me of this uh, recently. Apparently, uh, so I'd had this idea that maybe I could start drinking again. I hadn't had a drink in about seven, over seven years, seven years, a couple of months. Maybe I could drink again. Maybe I'd gotten sober too young. Maybe, you know, I could handle it better now. So at Thanksgiving dinner, I workshopped this idea with my family. I said, you know what? I'm thinking about drinking again. And I'm, I'm told, I don't remember this because my memory is like, uh, you know, like a still trap that's been broken up into many pieces. Um, the, uh, you know, I, 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 I made this statement. Um, nobody said a word. And my, my sister-in-law says she remembers like thinking to herself, somebody say something because she knew wasn't it, it wasn't a good idea. She didn't think it was her, her place. And I love her to death. You know, it's, it was her place, but I don't, you know, whatever. I wasn't going to hear anything anyway. Um, so I took their silence as, you know, a golden endorsement of the idea. Like, you know, because that's alcoholic thinking, right? So, um, so it wasn't, you know, like three months later. It was March of 2000. It's amazing. I remember all these dates, but I remember almost like it was yesterday. I started drinking again. And the very first night, the ver uh, I, got, I drank too much, I got sick, and I passed out, just like I did at the age of 14. Only now, let's see, 2000, I was like 32. It's not really cute at 32. Um, but I kept going because I thought, eh, yeah, you know, I, I did a little too much the first night. We'll, we'll get better at this. Um, and then what, what happened is over three years, um, I tried to make it work as a normie, as a normal drinker, which I have never been. I have never just had two drinks willingly and been okay with that. Never, ever in my life. So... Um, but, you know, we, you know that, that delusion that one day I will be a normal drinker, again, as it describes in our, in our book, that was something that I was trying to get to. Um, and so, um, you know, th th three years of, you know, increasing um, incomprehensible demoralization. Um, and, you know, there were other things that came into play there, not just alcohol and not just marijuana, but this is an AA meeting, and a, again, alcohol is, um, you know, alcoholism is my disease. Regardless of the substance, I will abuse it, um, because ultimately, alcoholism for me is about my thinking. So, um, so yeah, so it all came to a head in 2003, um, and... Uh, you know, I was, I'd been up on an all-night binge, and I was to the point, again, like I had been at the age of 16, where life seemed hopeless, and I did not know what to do. I did know, though, I was not coming back to AA, because you people, I had wanted, I never wanted to come back and deal with you people again. So, um, 
so I took a different route. Um, I, again, I took an overdose of pills. Um, and thank you. Right on time still. Um, didn't work, right? Thank God. Um, I went to the emergency room and I ended up in the psych ward. So now I'm institution. So death institutions, check. But two, two out of two. Um, oh, and I forgot, I mentioned I got arrested, so that jail was already covered with my DWI. So jails, institutions, almost death. I'm three for three, almost, well, I guess not quite. Thank God. Um, so, um, so I have to tell you, um, I went from the psych ward to the rehab, and I remember um, in the, I was in the waiting room between floors because I just stayed in the same hospital. I went from one floor to the next floor, and while... Um, I was between floors, um, I went to the waiting room, and my two brothers were there, which, oh man, that was painful, you know, like, I always thought, you know, they live 22,000 miles away in, in Texas, my alcoholism doesn't affect them, and what I've learned is that I, that is so wrong, but, um, but you know, I, I I don't, I didn't think about that. I mean, because again, alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme. Um, and so the, um, where was I? Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm sitting there with my two brothers. A friend of, my friend had called them and told them what had happened, which I was mortified. I didn't want them to find out. Um, but they did. They came up. They they came up and they made sure that I went into rehab. And I remember my younger brother, my baby brother, started crying and that was like the worst thing he could have done. Um, and um, I went to rehab, went to rehab three times actually. Um, and I struggled. Um, I struggled for, uh, gosh, not how many years, nine years to get and stay sober. Um, I, um, there was a lot of relapse in that period. Um, I'd get a year and go out on a resentment. You know, they say resentment is the number one offender for alcoholics, and that is so true for me. Resentments uh, have, you know, I had two relapses after getting a year over resentments, um, and so I have to be very careful about resentments. Um, and, and so after, you know, after struggling with getting sober and finding the right group, my friend, my dear friend Alfredo, who I think is on the Zoom, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but he said, why don't you try the Atlantic group? And I said, what? The Atlantic group? Don't they have a lot of rules? AA isn't about rules, right? And then he reminded me, well, you like rules. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. I do. I do actually like the rules. I like structure. Um, and so I went to my first Atlantic Group meeting. It was the Sunday meeting. It was when we were at the School of the Future, which is ironically named. If you've never been there, it's not, there's nothing futuristic about it. <laughs> um, and the room was packed. Um, and it was like magical, like people, you know, people, it's a call, it's, it's a call up meeting. People would get up there and they talk about sobriety. They talk about a topic from the book and I, I could really see there was magic happening. And so, um, he encouraged me to seek out an Atlanta group sponsor and, um, I had just enough willingness to do that. Thank, thank God. Um, and I met my 
my sponsor, who is still my sponsor today, 10 years later, Adam, who's here tonight, who I love. He knows me. He knows what kind of an alcoholic that I am. He knows my foibles. He knows, uh, you know, that I'm a, I'm a person who likes to cut and run. And, um, you know, so he reminds me when those things come up that, you know, that I can't cut and run from this disease. Um, and I, I certainly can't cut and run. I mean, how many times have I thought that I'm leaving this group over resentment and I'm never coming back and the hell, the heck with all of you. And, um, and then I thank God I have the good sense today to realize that this is what works for me. This is what has worked for me for 10 years. So, um, so yeah, we worked the steps. Um, he took me through the book page by page. Um, and, you know, it, it was, um, I got five minutes, all right. I, I will say this, it didn't feel magical in the moment, but it, the magic happened. It happened over time as I did all of the steps in order. Um, I wrote the inventory. You know, there were, again, resentments, number one offender. I had some ridiculous resentments on my inventory. And I've done four or four steps, right? You'd think I'd be beyond that, but, it, you know, it never... You never get quite get over that, um, and you know I I continued through the steps, did you know eight and nine, and made my amends, um, and uh, I was able to find a God of my understanding, which was something I never anticipated needing or wanting. I fancy you know I fancied myself an intellectual, being too smart for God. Um, and, of course, I was raised in that cult, right? And that God from that cult was not a nice God, especially to people, for people like me. And so to, get, to gain a new understanding about what God is and what God can be in my life was, was a revelation, no pun intended. Um, and I have been, you know, I have been so lucky. I've been carried these 10 years, and they've flown by. And look, you know, I'm... You know, I'm on this side of 50, which, you know, it's not something that is, is, is something I'm happy to admit. But, in fact, I am happy to admit it. I've never been so at peace in my life. And, you know, recently, I'll just say, you know, the last couple of years have been really hard, I think, on a lot of us. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know, you know, when we were sheltered in place at home on Zoom, feeling so isolated. Um, the thing that kept me going was AA, was the, were these meetings on Zoom um, and the God of my understanding. God carried me through that time and I never felt alone. And, you know, that feels really weird for me to say because I always was not religious. You know, once I got out of that you know, Jim Jones situation. I never thought I would be, it wasn't like that, but um, close, close enough. But I never thought I would feel any sort of, you know, any, anything, you know, just to even say that I believe in God, feel, I thought I would never be able to do that again. Um, but God has carried me through. Um, and then this year, um, you know, this year's been a really good year. Um, I've, I've been, 
uh, able to do this commitment working with Matt, um, and it's been just amazing, and Sam too. Sam has been working with us. Um, and so it was uh, March of this year, every March, you guys know, that we have a group anniversary meeting, right? So we were planning for that on a Sunday, like we do, uh, and Matt and I were having a Zoom meeting, actually. And um, the meeting, the anniversary, group anniversary meeting was the following Tuesday, and we were going through some last-minute details because, again, I like structure. Um, and, um, and I got a call. And, um, you know, before this, just a few hours earlier, I talked to my mom, because I always talk to my mom. Since I've been sober, I've talked to my mom every Sunday that I... Um, that has, you know, when I, when I have been able to, which is almost every Sunday. And I talked to her, and she told me she'd been worried because she hadn't heard from my little brother. I'm like, eh, you know, he's a, f- whatever, 48-year-old man. Give him a break. You know, like, I mean, but that was me as an alcoholic. Like, I called whenever I thought about it or was convenient. Thank you. I got one minute, which is perfect. Um, so I kind of poo-pooed it. And... Um, and so this call was from my, my other brother, who's on this Zoom tonight, and um, he called to tell me that they had found my brother um, dead in his apartment. He had had a cerebral hemorrhage, um, and presumably I think he just went like that, like, kind of like my dad. Um, and uh, it, was, um, it was something that really hit me in my core. Um, but... You know, what I did after I got off the phone was go online and make a reservation to fly down to Texas. Um, And then I called my sponsor because that's what I learned to do here in AA. I don't have to do any of this alone. Um, I always have God and I have AA, right? Um, And so that enabled me, you know, I, I left, I was on a flight the very next day and I spent the whole week down there working with my family, I got it, working with my family to close out my brother's life, and it was not something I ever thought, I always thought I would go first, because look, I mean, alcoholic, you know, and God knows I tried, so uh, having to go through that, um, I could could not have done it without AA. AA has cared, AA and God, let me be clear. Um, So I think, AA for my sobriety, for my life. I thank God. I'm not going to speak again during the anniversary celebrants except to say thank you, but I thank you guys. I love you, and I love this group, and if you're new and you're here, stay. That's it.